It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome. I almost lost it there. <laughs> to the shutdown full cast. I am not your host, Spencer Hall. I am his uh sort of like sad damaged clone, Ryan Nanny. We're not technically related, and I don't think we share that much of a genetic background, but you know what? Nobody's done the tests. Can't prove it. Uh with me as always outdoorsman hero here uh pants enemy enemy of pants jason kirk how are you today i'm wearing uh, i'm wearing half pants those are shorts it's it's the lower pants that that with whom i have a quarrel that will never be resolved does that have a name like on on a shirt those are sleeves uh those are leg warmers yes you've nailed it if you do that you are now in a 1980s jazzercise video uh, let's pull our other two special guests on this episode of the full cast. Alex Kirshner, are you wearing shorts? I am not wearing shorts. I am wow. wearing blue jeans today. Wow. To, just to be clear, today is July 1st, 2019. It is that not, is. Uh, it is not unseasonably cool as far as I am aware. No, no, it's, it's actually quite, quite toasty. It's, uh, 87 degrees here today. Wow. Um, are you a uh, so, cowboy? No, no, no. I'm just, just, just living. Are you gonna ride a motorcycle later? I might do that. I might do that. I might ride it. Does a scooter count? No. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what kind of steer you're wrestling on that scooter. <laughs> Let me I, put it this way: If you rolled up to a motorcycle club on a scooter and said "Am I in?", <laughs> they would say no. I, I mean, if you're insanely badass, they'd say yeah. 
which well, Alex definitely check that is. box. Yeah, yeah, that's no yeah. problem. Yeah. I, I like that we're we're letting listener know that this is recorded on July first because, uh, yep, we worked ahead, folks. <laughs> Believe we, it or we, not, we did our homework. Surprise! Uh, other guests today. Well, I, sh- I say guest as if he is not a permanent co-host. Brian Floyd, are you wearing shorts? I actually only have the bottom half here. If Alex has pants and Jason has shorts, then I am wearing nothing down south but the bottom half of pants. So you're wearing socks or what? Uh, no, not even those. Just from the about knee down to just above the ankle. Right. Also the uh-huh. NBA players that have kind of the tights on the bottom except nothing else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got sho- He's wearing shooting sleeves on his. Yeah, legs. you're wearing kicking sleeves. Exactly. I'd also want to note for the record that as Ryan started to introduce me, my connection stopped and it went blank for like 30 seconds in true full cast fashion. Perfect. Uh, Ryan, what's your pants situation? Uh, I, I am also wearing full pants today. I feel weird wearing shorts to the office. Why? I feel like I get looks and comments and you know what? This body is for me. It's not for the public. You feel objectified? Is that what you're saying? I do. Because look, I have great calves. There are yeah. very few. There are very few parts of my body that I'm like, that's great. The calves are one of them, and you know what? They're not. They're not just out here for the world. I decide who sees these calves and when mm. and under what circumstance. And a Monday on a holiday week at work, like, sorry, Seth Rosenthal, you don't just get this for free. You you got to put in like four days of work to unlock that privilege. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's the worst unlockable in a video game ever. Ryan Ryan's lower legs. The blinding light sh- shining <laughs> off of them will confuse your enemies. Witness the power. Today we are ostensibly previewing uh, college football. But again, if you've listened to the last episode, you know that we are doing it based on our own divisions. Uh, and the only sensible way to divide teams, the uniforms that they wear, the color of them. Jason, what are the two divisions that you have prepared for us today? So last week we did the red conference, which included teams such as Alabama, Oklahoma, and Georgia. These teams were red. Lots of teams were red though. Uh, So some teams, if you didn't appear in last week's episode, you might appear in an upcoming episode. This week is slightly simpler, but still it's another log jam that we had to cram into 12. Today is conference blue essay. That's right. We have broken down the power five and a few stragglers and crammed a ball into uh, five or six, I forget. <laughs> Color based conferences. Yeah. Today, yeah. Today is blue. Uh, your divisions are, uh, let's see, what do we call them? One is bold blue for teams that wear, you know, especially dark or especially light blues. Uh, and the list of these teams is somewhere in front of me. This is basically, I found this, it. This is basically a blue that um, you would have to get the big crayon box, the 64. Yeah, not, the 16 isn't going to do it. The, right. This, uh, let's see. Notre Dame, a darker blue. Navy, literally named after dark blue. Arizona, at times they have a little bit of like purpleiness in there when they go sunset. Uh, and then you have Pitt, UCLA, and North Carolina, which are lighter blue. Pitt, at least, when they use their God-approved colors, not that, that other shit. Uh, and then you have the basic blue division. These are just regular-ass blues. Kentucky, Penn State, Boise State, Georgia Southern, Buffalo, and Memphis. I think we agree those are the bluest teams in the land. Yep. Can't think of any teams that would possibly have a quibble with any of these decisions. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Notre Dame is definitely going to be happy that they got blue and not any other color that you might associate with them. 
I mean, if, if they if they wanted green, they should wear it more than once a decade. Uh, if they wanted gold, I, we, we do have a we do have a gold uh, solution coming up later on. So stay tuned for that. Have but, they? Have they? Has Notre Dame ever done like a gold primary uniform? Like a gold shirt? Like like a gold focused unit where gold is the primary color, not an accent. Please don't give them any ideas. Too late. <laughs> um, Jason, you and Alex are paired in uh, the bold blue division. Floyd and I have drawn the basic blue division. Who do you want to go first? Uh, should we play uh, paper, rock, scissors in this? Yes, let's do that. Um, Kirshner, I want you yeah. to think. I want you to think of one paper, rock, scissors. Okay. Yep. Flo- Floyd, I want you to think of the other. I'm going to count to three, and after three, so one, two, three, shout. I want both of you to say what you picked, okay? Deal. Am I going, so that's on shout or after shout? It's going to go one, two, three, and then you both say it. Okay, got it. Okay? All right. <clears throat> this is going to get fucked up because of the full cast. Here we go. One, two, three. Rock. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Reset, reset. Clear your minds. Hmm. One, two, Three. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We can we're gonna uh, we're getting there. Hang on, hang on. Uh yeah, let's see. Yeah. Rocks. Uh let's see. What's the rockiest school here? Uh Pitt has factories that make rocks, right? It's, Pitt's got mountains, uh Kentucky's in the mountains, Boise's in the mountains, hills at least. I, I think this means Pitt goes first. No, we're gonna try one more time, okay? I believe okay. In this. One Two, three. Oh! <laughs> See, that was that was one of the most satisfying things we've done on this podcast. Hit him with a little dough. You think he's going one way, he's going the other. That's great. I'm just going to be stubborn over here every time. I appreciate that you're you were steadfast. All right, Alex. Uh, that means you go first. <laughs> All right. So I, I think we're going to start in my hometown. Uh, with the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, Pitt is is transitioning, as as you alluded to, to a, uh, a more blue shade of blue this year. Uh, also, uh, shifting to yellow, away from the gold, which has characterized its its last 20 years or so. That's sort of a Wiz Khalifa thing. Pittsburgh's doing that. They're getting away from the golds into the, the more mustardy yellow, um, which is actually why I think Pitt wore yellow in the first place. And the blue was a tribute to the uh, pure, clear, freshwater rivers that we have. <laughs> uh, Wait, the yellow is really a mustard reference? That's like all the teams that, are yellow because of that? No, not at all. But you okay. can believe me when I said that. Then. But it feels Sure, right. I will believe yeah. anything you say about Pittsburgh. Anything. Good, good. Um, yeah, so so the Pitt Panthers are, are I think, poised to, to have a very Pitt year this year. Um You'll recall that that quarterback Kenny Pickett will be a junior. Uh, he was one of the worst QBs in the Power Five last year, uh, but he did beat uh, then number two Miami in his first career start uh, at the end of 2017, which was the first time a Pitt true freshman QB had started since the 2007 Pitt-West Virginia game, um, which, according to West Virginia fans, was canceled due to the war. Uh, <laughs> But, but which happened, um, he'll be back. Uh, they do have to replace two great running backs. 
Quadre Olsen and Darren Hall. And I think that will be fine. Pittsburgh produces good running backs about as well as it produces uh, anything other than French fries with sandwiches in sandwiches uh, and, and public drunkenness citations at, at Kenny concerts. Um, so I think that we will be fine there in terms of running backs. There's a great, a great Yinzer pronunciation situation coming up uh, with Michael Salahuddin, uh, the, the four-star running back from a couple years ago, who I think is going to probably get the rock a good bit this year. So I think Pitt will produce a good running game per usual. We'll play some out on the line. Uh, but they do play Penn State, uh, which is in Happy Valley this year, and they play UCF. I'm not sure which of those games Pitt will win, uh, yeah. but uh, they will win, you, you would presume, one, and uh, either Penn State will lose two games in total or UCF will lose one and forfeit the right to you know, do what UCF does uh, in, in December. So those are our candidates for, for someone's day to be rid of, or Miami could turn out to be good. Um, and could lose to Pitt uh, at Heinz Field again. Definitely possible. So I think six and six with a uh, a, a real kind of season ruiner of a victory against somebody else is, is kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, that all sounds. Now you went we in there. Did you notice that? Was that intentional? Well, I've just been I've been trying to embrace my roots a little bit more in the okay. last couple of months. I mean, I, you... I, bought, I bought a hell to pitch shirt. Uh, which I uh, have Ryan seen me don that that shirt he, he, before. He wore he wore that to the office. Um, you know, it's it's just it's simply a local thing. That's all. That's no. I'm just like if I had a Maryland degree, I would probably be looking for a different school as well. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's it's absolutely true. I don't I don't blame you for that at all. Do you know what I realized recently is Pitt's greatest accomplishment over the last five to ten years? What's they that? get they get none of the association with Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman, one of the <laughs> worst, one of the worst NFL quarterbacks in history. They and laundered guy, Nate Peterman. Talk about the guy who beat Deshaun Watson head to head in Clemson. <laughs> the very same, but like at no, you know, when when Christian Ponder stunk in the NFL, we used it to talk shit about uh, to, to talk shit about Florida State. Insert Florida quarterback here. That becomes an excuse to talk shit about Florida, et cetera, et cetera. We never, at no point, did we look at Nathan Peterman's NFL failings and say, "Shame upon you, Pitt." It was like, well, no, Pitt. If anything, Pitt coached him up. Pitt was one of the Pitt coached he him was, above his potential. He was actually, if you want to really trace it back, uh, he was actually a Tennessee quarterback. Uh, if we really want to be technical about it. Um, yeah, and they, so, they're the ones who get blamed for his NFL yeah, career. Yeah, right. I think that's probably why he's had those troubles. It's before he got the tutelage. I mean, Pitt kind of righted the ship with him as much as possible. <laughs> they did but, what they could, right. <laughs> they they came in at the last minute and got a bullshit uh, win with a 6-6 six and six quarterback. Basically, they did the Pitt thing. Uh, Alex, if Pitt beats Penn State this year, and we, we have Penn State on our side, we'll get to them. What's How, how bad is that reaction going to be? How bad is that? What can it be? That reaction in, oh, in, from uh, Penn State. I fans. misheard you. Uh, it would be, I mean, Penn State fans typically respond well uh, when, <laughs> <laughs> when when something goes. It didn't even. Uh, it didn't even matter what you said in the second half of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure they. I'm sure they'd take it in stride and and be fine. <laughs> You could propose, you could like romantically propose marriage to a Penn State fan, and they'd find a way to be defensive about it. So, <laughs> it 
Why did you do that here? What do you mean? What do you mean your love is great? Are you saying it's greater than the Nittany Lions? Because it sure as shit isn't. What do you mean as long as we both shall live? You saying I'm going to die? Uh, Jason, who's next so that's Pitt. Who's, yeah, uh, it's yeah. time to talk about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, as far as their, you know, how this season's going to go and all that, like, you know, they're, 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 they'll be fine. They'll be good. They'll win, like, I don't know, 10 games or whatever, and everyone will scream until they lose their second game about them possibly making the playoff and all that. But, like, who gives a shit? Um, they're going to play 12 FBS teams, no FCS teams. Their schedule is about as good as yours on average get over it if 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 they make it through undefeated they make the playoff and that's fine they'll lose then you get to watch notre dame lose great now we're done with the one big notre dame argument we have every year their schedule this year here is the interesting thing about it because of their acc association most of the teams on their schedule are teams with whom they do not have ancient rivalry trophies like every school in college football likes to you know oh yeah we're we're very associated with Notre Dame but most of the schedule they can't claim that part of that is this ACC thing which opens with <laughs> a season opening game is Louisville Notre Dame <laughs> like call your cable operator folks you got to see this shit the battle for the desiccated orphans corpse <laughs> man if you're not there brother you're missing out on one of the grandest scenes in all of and it's all for like it's kind of a conference game. That's the wildest part. Like, it doesn't count in the standings. I mean, Louisville's going to finish like eight games out of first place, but like, <laughs> it doesn't count in the standings, but it's still a conference game because this conference, re- you know, it's it's going toward ACC revenue, which benefits Notre Dame because they're basically an ACC. Me- like, this is some fucked up college football shit. Anyway, so what I wanted to do is run through the seven teams with whom Notre Dame had, uh, the seven teams Notre Dame has played five times or fewer in its history, and I'm going to give each one a rivalry trophy. The first six, we're just sprinting through. The last one is the one that I actually want to talk about. Louisville, um, you've played once ever. Let's just relitigate the 2018 NCAA Women's Final Four. Uh, it had a lot of overtime games. You two were in it. They both were awesome. You know, we could give you like this sucks at making pizza trophy or whatever, but no. Uh, Virginia Tech, along the same lines. You're handing back and forth the 1973 NIT trophy forever. Because Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame in the grandest college basketball tournament of them all that year. Uh, New Mexico. I couldn't believe it, but Notre Dame and New Mexico don't have a long football history together. Uh, We could call it the Bob Davey Bowl, but we don't really want to celebrate Bob Davey. So let's combine Lobos, Wolves, Irish stuff, and old stuff to create a rivalry trophy. So there's an old Irish history book that claims that in the year 690, it, quote, rained a shower of blood in Leinster. I guess this is a town. Butter was there also turned into lumps of gore and blood. The wolf was heard speaking with human voice, which was horrific to all. So here we have a super scary fucked up uh, pile of gory, lumpy butter. That blood butter. To- yeah, if that's not an Indiana rivalry trophy, I don't know what is. The old lump of gory butter. Georgia has played Notre Dame twice. We're uh, using the old oaken printouts of Georgia players' tweets during Notre Dame's loss to Clemson, which came right back to haunt them when Georgia lost to Texas. It's a long trophy name, but I think it's going to be really beloved. Uh, Virginia has played Notre Dame twice. Don't want to talk about this trophy because it involves Notre Dame fan Steve Bannon and Virginia alum Richard Spencer. Same goes for Duke. 
And now we're on to Bowling Green. All right, so Bowling Green and Notre Dame have never played. I'm going to read a passage from Roadside America, and then you'll see what I'm getting at here. Jim Pendleton is the Dr. Frankenstein of house building, and the barn house is his creature. This whimsical monstrosity was sewn together by Jim from parts of over 25 barns he has demolished. Construction started in 1972. Jim was soon tearing down barns around the state. What state? We'll get to that. To feed his obsession. The barn house contains 41 rooms and 15 stairways. There are secret passages, a room with 688 hats, a prayer alcove, a quickie room where a man and woman can do their business, and sun decks. Jim recommends Sorry, the Sorry, did you just say a quickie room? A quickie room where a man and woman can do their business. Uh, Jim recommends that biz- visitors sun themselves in the nude. Jim would, Jim would prefer that. He continued building for 25 years. His wife left him, and his son and daughter moved away. <laughs> His second notable project was his Noah's Ark house. Ryan, you'll like this. Mm-hmm. Built from salvage to float in times of great floods. Those happen. It features glass floors with framed family photos below, which might become a wall or ceiling should the Ark house flip over. Very practical man. Update, 2001. Jim Pendleton is reported to be out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> What was he in for? I don't know. Probably demolishing 25 years worth of barns. <laughs> Looking at you in the quickie room. That's what? <laughs> uh, update 2002. The barn house has burned to the ground. No! You can find photos posted on Facebook within the past year or two from people going up to look at the remnants of the barn house. It looks exactly like what you'd expect. Why is the big bronze barn house trophy perfect for Notre Dame versus Bowling Green? Because it's like the only thing in... Bowling Green, Indiana. Wow. There you hey, have it. Hey, Floyd, remember before the show when you were like, do these previews have to be about football? Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> Floyd is always our, our most dedicated and, and devoted to keeping this podcast on course. On topic. I don't know how times. anyone will ever top Jason here. Like that, no. I don't know where you came up with that. That's, that's what he does. He sets the bar. Um Who's next in your division? Uh, next up, we have, I believe, Arizona. Uh, Arizona. Tremendous. So, actually, Arizona. I've, I've stumbled on onto a little Arizona find here. Uh, the university's first school colors uh, were not their current navy and red and white situation, but they were actually... Kick them out of Conference Blue SA! They were sage green and silver. Yeah, they, that would have been... Green and uh, silver? But this was before realignment. Yeah, they were they were sage green and silver. So sort uh, of this, sort of like an Oregon alternate or something. Something like that. The sage, according to the school itself, was in reference to uh, an indigenous sage bush. Uh, apparently, they have plants other than cacti in Arizona. I have not been, but actually, I have been. I have been, um, and I didn't see any plants. Um, and the silver was for the mining industry in the state. Um, but actually, it, it was journalism uh, that uh, local journalism, good dogged local journalism, that led to a change. Um, the student newspaper in 1900 ran an editorial saying that uh, that the sage green and silver look had quote outgrown its usefulness, uh, and that it was time to be more decorative. Uh, and later that same year. Uh, there was a committee that just decided on, on Cardinal Red and Navy Blue, a student committee, and maybe not a student committee, just a committee. Um, Condoleezza Rice might have been on it. We don't know. Um, and, oh, and they got their name, the Wildcats, because the LA Times one year 
had written that they had in a game against Occidental College, uh, the OC, the original OC, that Arizona had showed the fight of Wildcats. Uh, so that's that's Arizona's path to Conference Blue essay. Uh, I love that this have, is how like a bunch of teams got their nickname. Is like an old timey newspaper said that they looked and, and like this is also I believe how Alabama got its nickname. And it just is like so if they had just been like oh they played like frenzied shitbirds that would have been your name. This so is basically if I us. if I can go back in time this is the first and only thing I'm doing. If I write an article with enough rhetorical flourish about like a division three team. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Could I get them to change their name? Probably, man. They'd love to find shot. out. We're gonna find out. That's a project for the coming season. Um, but anyway, this is gonna be program. this is gonna be just a, a very Kevin Sumlin team. Um, if you look at the schedule, um, Arizona is clearly, clearly gonna start four and one or five and one. Um, I think there's a chance that they lose at Hawaii in week zero. Um, they are, I think they're going to be favored, but they could, I mean, Arizona could give up 50 to Hawaii without, without much trouble. Um, other than that, though, then they get a bye week to prep for, for Northern Arizona, uh, which you need, um, cause you don't, you don't go into a game with NAU without, um, having all your ducks in a row. Um, they get Texas Tech and UCLA at home. It's easy enough to see them winning those games. It's easy enough to see them winning at Colorado if Colorado is, in fact, bad. So, anyway, they are favorites, at least per S&P Plus. If we, you know, if, if we can still um, use this, we, we miss our, get our suit, Bill Dearly. <laughs> we miss Bill Dearly. Um, then they play, at, or they play Washington at home, um, and that starts a stretch where they are dogs in one, two, three, four, five, six of seven games. Um, so you're going to have a, a possibly a four and one, maybe four and two type start, um, a la pretty much all of Kevin Sumlin's AM teams, unless they were like six and zero, oh, they were even better. Um, and then they're going to lose, you know, many many games in a row, uh, and that's going to be tough for them. Um, so it's going to be extremely Sumlin. Uh, I think that we should expect that you're going to have a team that like might briefly even work its way into the top 25. They've got Khalil Tate. They're going to have probably less hype than they had last year, um, but still like a pretty nice little chunk of uh, preseason interest in that program, I would guess, especially if Khalil Tate's healthy, which they say he is. Uh, and so things are just going to get tough for them eventually. Uh, they'll probably they'll, they'll find a win somewhere, probably like at USC or something like that. Um, the Territorial Cup, of course, was a, a barn burner last year. Uh, they lost that game. Come on. Are we really saying barn burner so soon after I learn about the demise? You know what? You're right. That was insensitive of me. Of the super barn? <laughs> Shit, it was man. Insensitive. Uh, I assume that whoever wins the Territorial Cup will be the team that has less to gain from winning it. Um, so we will see. <laughs> We will see where that uh, where that develops, but yeah, we're we're gonna say five and seven for Arizona with with upside of six and six. So not winning this division is what I'm hearing. We're we're not seeing a likely victory of this division for Arizona. All right, 
Yeah. Also, to be clear, we do not yet know what constitutes a victory of this division, but that's fine. But it won't we're, be Arizona. It won't be Arizona yeah. either. Whatever way. it is, it probably won't be Arizona. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think your Alex, your likeliest uh, football program to get it to change its nickname is the Keystone College Giants in Pennsylvania, who begin D three play in twenty twenty. So their first game, we're just gonna make up. They they look they look like a bunch of fucking assholes, and that'll be the name. <laughs> Perfect. Um, where, where are they based? You said in Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania, La Plume, La Plume, Laplum. If yeah, this was Georgia, it's, it's, if this was Georgia, it'd be pronounced Laplum. Uh, certain parts of Pennsylvania basically are Georgia. So that's okay. I'm gonna right. say it's Laplum, Laplum Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh, but I've never spent any real time in Pennsylvania. Um, so I'll, I'll try to get up. Oh, that's wow! That's that's in northeastern Pennsylvania. That's like that, that wasn't even the intended like area of of my joke that I was making there. There's there's a reason yeah. why why Pittsburgh and Philly are both like trying their best to leave the state. They're <laughs> they're like just just some, one more stretch and I won't be in Pennsylvania anymore. Delaware, oh. please take us. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that. Um, this does set up as a very Kevin Sumlin season for Arizona, of course. Kevin Sumlin, known at Texas A&M for thundering to 5-0 and and then squandering it all away. Uh, let's talk about the opposite approach, which has been trademarked by our man Chip Kelly back at UCLA. You remember back when Oregon was really something for a few years there. What was the trademark Oregon game? A sleepy first half, an upset alert at halftime, and then, oh my fucking God, Cal just threw four straight pick sixes. It's 80 to 22, just like that. Like, Chip is the opposite of someone in that he lulls you to sleep and then he barrels over you. And you might say, oh, well, this is, this is all old news. Everyone's figured out Chip. Not so fast, asshole. 2018. Chip Kelly starts 0 and 5, but finishes a resounding 3 and 4. <laughs> With a win over the God of Los Angeles, a win over USC, nearly went 5 and 2 down the stretch. Huh? Not, who's laughing now besides Ryan? 2016, <laughs> 2016, the 49ers. Chip Kelly's Niners start 1 and 13. And then what do they do? They pour on the fucking gas and finish 1 and 1. <laughs> The 2015 Philadelphia Eagles. Chip starts four and seven. Go birds! But then, look out, bitch! He finishes three and two. Okay. 2013. 2013. Chip Kelly starts three and five and finishes seven and one. See what I'm saying? Yeah. 2014 is an outlier. Don't look at that one. It's the <laughs> exception. That, exception that proves the rule. I'm saying all that to say 2019 is <laughs> going to be a Chip Kelly-ass year. <laughs> you start at Cincinnati, uh, who you lost to at home last year. <laughs> you play San Diego State, who's like the fourth best team in the Pac-12, even though they're not in the Pac-12. They beat a Pac-12 team every year, and shit, you're in the Pac-12. Uh, you got to play Oklahoma. I don't know why you did that. That's, oops. Uh, you got to go to Washington State. Uh, they might take a little step back, but not that big, so you're going to lose. Uh, you got to go to Arizona. Again, that's... Um, Hot Sumlin start versus a slow Kelly start. You know, the nothing's got to give. Those both line up perfectly. But then, buddy, you get Oregon State at home. Nothing busts a slump like Oregon State at home. Chip's got it. Chip's got it back. You get Arizona State and Colorado at home and Cal at home. You can be those teams. Uh, you get to play USC. You already own them. Uh, you got to go to Stanford and Utah, and that'll suck. But that is an 0-5 start. 
a five and two finish. You started cold. You finished hot. When Chip, you know, measures your pee temperature with his with his machines, that's exactly how he wants it. Wants us to start cold, finish hot. I like to term all this, this this um, this trend of Chip Kelly slowly gaining power over the course of a game a season. I could call this Chip Gains. Thank I, you. I I'll, I'll I yield the rest. Of, I'll I yield the rest of my time I to the gentleman you. from Pittsburgh. Do you remember last year when uh, they were losing to Fresno State and Chip had them do jumping jacks? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this this has great potential when they're down like fifty six to seven in the, <laughs> in the third quarter at home against Oklahoma. Like you might have them like run bleachers between between quarters. Chip Kelly is the best, one of the best examples of how like almost all of college football, how we interpret it is is results based because if chip Kelly does all the things he does on a two and 10 team, you're just like, this motherfucker is crazy. But because it worked (laughs) at Oregon, it was like, wow, innovator changer of lives, next level galaxy brain man. And not, Oh my God, he's actually lost his mind. Oh, also UCLA last year, a lot better than anyone realized. Yeah, they were, According to the the Massey Computer Composite, they were the the best three win team in all the land. What do you mean? Realize nobody thought about UCLA last year at all. They beat USC, and that was funny. Uh, they were better than some seven win teams, in fact. So look out, here comes four or five. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I feel like UCLA is gonna be one where it takes like two to three years Decades. at least because i but but has talked about this and done some reporting on this i think they actually like like i think chip thought that players actually were inclined to play for him when he first came like really really good players and he was he was kind of shooting well above his weight class for talent and i think now they're actually going to try to recruit players they could get and so maybe they'll be pretty good in 2020 yeah. Also, like that team was one where they didn't quite know what Chip Kelly's system was. So you're like, oh, that looked okay, but those two guys ran into each other. So like yeah. as yeah. that starts to work, it'll get better, but they made just a lot of really dumb mistakes that turned normal looking plays into bad ones. So we're all just waiting for Chip Gaines. Stop it. <laughs> Make that a thing. Who is who is the last team in your We have two. Next what? up is North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, and you're forgetting the troops, Ryan. Just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Week of right, the Fourth right. of July. I'm there's, <laughs> they're they're in a submarine this yeah, time. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, UNC. UNC. Yeah, we got. Oh, we got know North is, Carolina. Guess who's Arnold. back, everybody? Yeah. How did how did UNC make the cut for this? Because we specifically decided we're not going to put every Power Five. They're team. so uniquely blue, is how. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They Very have like they have blue. like a whole color named after them and everything. So. Well, actually, to that point, um, something that I learned in researching for this episode is that uh, there is no one Carolina blue. Uh, the university has actually uh, vacillated between several shades of Pantone. Uh, there's been Pantone 278, uh, <laughs> Pantone 291, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two ninety-seven. If you're following at home, please, please pause the please pause the podcast to look up all these Pantones. No, I can picture exactly which is which. It's in our. I'm really kind of a 291 man myself. I don't know about uh, you. Don't worry. We'll put the hex codes for these as well. <laughs> so it should translate. Uh, I can't because digital medium is what this is. Um, yeah, they got their, their color. Uh, I think just because they wanted to be different than Duke. 
I'm kidding. Duke is actually less old than North Carolina. What's Duke's Pantone? <laughs> Duke Pantone. Six, six, six. That's, yeah. that's exactly it. Uh, yeah, UNC's color, it comes from some kind of old thing that sounds like a club that, like, a British prime minister would have been if they'd been, you know, colonial, if they'd, if they'd been, like, colonists and they'd come over. Very, very elitist, probably has... Probably some dark things have, have happened there. I, I don't know. It was some kind of some kind of thing called the die and the phi. That's where they got their their blue thing that they do. Uh, but the 2019 Tar Heels, a really interesting case. I've actually talked myself into this, um, which I'm sure I won't regret um, because nobody you can't Google what people say on podcasts unless someone transcribes it. So I'll just I'll just speak freely. Um, Mac Brown is sort of trying to do the the Clemson thing. Uh, where he's hiring assistants who can run things for him. Um, Phil Longo on offense is his coordinator. He's the guy who Ole Miss fans hated, even though they had a top 10 offense after getting ravaged by the NCAA and losing their five-star quarterback to Michigan. But for some reason, they, I don't know, I guess Ole Miss is too good to finish sixth in the country in offense. I don't know. Um, on defense, they have Jay Bates running the show now. He is the former army coordinator uh, who everyone thought was like unbelievable because he held Oklahoma to 8.9 yards per play, but Oklahoma never had the ball. So they only scored 21 points in regulation. Um, but he's an interesting coordinator. He's kind of at the forefront of that uh, positionless defense movement where you never really know uh, if your nose tackle is going to go back into coverage or your cornerback is going to jump up into run support. So kind of an interesting little thing they've got going. Uh, recruiting is going well. Uh, they just signed one of the best classes ever for a team that had won two games the year before, uh, which is a uh, some some something of an achievement. Uh, and I think the offense is maybe going to be fine. Uh, I don't know who's going to play quarterback. Um, my guess is that it's going to be a true freshman, uh, Sam Howell who was a, is a four-star. He'd been committed to Florida State. He then did what every good quarterback for the last several years has done and chose not to go to Florida State. Uh, so he's in Chapel Hill now. Uh, the defense has been terrible, but fortunately, uh, and you mentioned we were talking about Oregon, uh, the defense is adding uh, the, best, uh, the best duck in, in college football. That's Storm Duck, uh, who will be playing cornerback uh, for UNC this year. That's Storm Duck. Uh, and hopefully he can shore up the back end. Um, and if North Carolina can keep its players on the field and not ensconced in some sort of academic or Jordan brand related shenanigans, uh, then I think that this is a contender in this division. I think that I think that Max wow. can coach him up. I think that they're going to be better than we think. Uh, and it's just if you look at the schedule. I, I see not many games that are absolutely not winnable. Um, you know, I don't want to overdo it and say that they're going to be like a good, good team, but I think they might be okay. We're going to find out together. Well, put a number on it. How many wins feels like an achievable number for you? I'm saying seven and five. I think they can do seven and five. Now we're we're gonna know early because obviously you're gonna lose uh, your Clemson game, um, but you, the South Carolina game I think they could win. 
the Miami game is at home for them, and Miami's kind of bad. The problem is they might lose to App State, um, and that would kind of that would kind of derail some of this. But the schedule's easy outside of Clemson. It's just not. Let's be let's be very clear. If Mac Brown rolls in and beats South Carolina, Will Muschamp is going to poop himself on TV. All right? Are you kidding me? I guess he's still the coach in waiting. The coach, the coach waiting to beat old Mac Brown. That is. Is that UNC? Is that UNC South Carolina game at like? Is that in like Charlotte or something, or is that on campus? I don't know. Is that is that a season opener? Yeah, it's week one. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, it is now. Bankers yeah. assemble. We've just moved it. Yeah, I mean, there's. Which university has more people working for Wells Fargo? Probably North Carolina. They're probably going to have a home field event. Um, <laughs> which has more people dodging debt collectors, though? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to go. I'm saying seven and five. I'm saying that it's. I'm saying that North Carolina is a is a feel good story this year. Seven and five. Wow. Uh, Pantone six 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 is kind of a lilac. Uh, Pantone 420 is a light gray, and Pantone 69 is kind of a mauve. I only I only know one Pantone by heart. Uh, Jason, look up Pantone 151. All right, this is doubly good audio. For the record, look, you know what this is. Don't even. Oh, this orange. It's one of it's this. That's Tennessee orange. That's <laughs> one of Tennessee's 38 oranges. That's Tennessee's official orange. Um, counterpoint to everything Alex just said. The first five games of the season are South Carolina, Miami, at Wake Forest, App State, Clemson. It's entirely possible they use up all of their losses in the first five weeks. It's possible. It's it's absolutely possible. Also, I think I slept. I think I slept. Hey, on hold, hold on, hold on. Can we do a chicken butt? Can Alex and I do a quick chicken Woo! butt here? Oh. I still haven't been paid on my last chicken bet, which wasn't even with yeah, you. Yeah, we don't actually pay those. Well, out. yeah, yeah. Why don't you why don't you not put that on me? Because that wasn't a bet with me, and I will pay you out. If North Carolina gets seven wins or more, I'll buy you chicken. If they don't, you buy me chicken. Okay, but I think I'm kind of making a bold bet. So can it be like you have to buy me like a large combo, and I buy you like a medium combo? Sure, sure. Kind of a can, money line situation. Yeah, can yeah, we, that's can fine. We, can we make it pork, considering it's our friends in North Carolina? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'll keep pushing. Yeah. Okay. It's time to move yeah. on to Navy. Um, so Navy is going to be bad. Navy was very bad last year, and How I don't really. On the Fourth of July week, you're going to say that? <clears throat> no, this episode comes out after Fourth of July, so <laughs> I'm exempt from all Patriots. And we're recording on Canada Day, and uh, Canada's <laughs> Navy is good. So. Uh, <laughs> Canada's Navy is one of the uh, entities that protects Iceland because Iceland has almost literally no military. Hey, they, have looking, some, they have some guns in storage. They have. <laughs> like I was looking this up to earlier today for an unrelated project. Uh, Iceland's military is two leased helicopters, <laughs> like a hundred guns that aren't in storage, like two boats made after the seventies, and like that's about it. The rest is Canada's Navy. So shout out to Canada's Navy. Can you talk to us about this other project? Are you planning to invade or? No, I was playing a video game. (laughs) (laughs) So I was playing this World War II game as Luxembourg, and I'm like, all right, let me try and survive past 1939. (laughs) And then I was was like, wait, who has a military even smaller than Luxembourg? And it turns out it's Iceland and Haiti. Haiti has 100 troops. 
this brings us to the United States Navy and their, <laughs> their upcoming football season. Uh, and I think more interestingly is the context of conference membership, particularly with the AAC reportedly at least pondering the idea of replacing UConn with Army. Um, an idea I hate because if for no other reason, please don't complicate Army-Navy shutting down the FBS season. Please let us save that. Don't put us in a situation where either that fucks up the rankings or that has to go on Thanksgiving so you can cram in an AAC title game and all that. Just leave it where it is. Army, don't join the AAC. It actually would be funny if they took Army held the conference championship what they held it and then still played army navy the following yeah they're like y'all ain't making this let's be honest <laughs> or you are but you still have to play each other again if, if if you're making it you have to choose a representative ucf fighting for america and against america so army let's remember the last time you joined a conference you joined you joined the only conference that suits your branding you joined conference usa so after Bob Sutton's 1996 Army went 10-2 and two and almost beat Auburn in the Independence Bowl. Independence, right? Hint, foreshadowing. Never leave that bowl. Army goes and joins Conference USA. It wins. The, the number of games it wins per year as a member of CUSA. 3-3-1-3-1-0-2. First year back as an independent, four. Then five, then seven, then 11. I'm skipping some years. But Army, <laughs> Army as an independent, Army is better than Army as a conference member. This is indisputable. It's right there. Let's look at Air Force. Best season ever, 1958. You finished sixth in the country as an independent. Joined a conference in 1980, and you've only cracked the top 10 once since then, let alone finished in. Like, Air Force, better as an independent than in a conference. Coast Guard, <clears throat> Coast Guard Bears, it's your turn. You made the equivalent, and we're adjusting heavily for era here, the equivalent of the 1963 FCS title game wasn't really, a th- but kind of basically a thing. You were basically the best non-major, second best non-major in college football. Your head coach at the time was Otto Graham, the Otto Graham. Now you're in Division Three conferences where you average about four wins a year. Coast Guard, better as an independent than in a conference. All those naval bases and airfields and shit that had teams during World War II, you haven't won shit since you gave up your independence, a.k.a. since you like folded, but that's the same. But either way, you were better as independents, right? It's just indisputable. You haven't won a single thing. Navy. You know where I'm going with this, Navy. You average eight or nine wins for the 12 years before conference membership, owning the shit out of Army. You had an identity. Everything was going great. You joined a conference. The win total has gone down every single year all the way down to three in 2018. Army is expected to kick the shit out of you this year, which means they'll win by about six points. I say all this to say, basically, you know, Navy, you should leave. Army, you shouldn't join. You should all be independent. Um, I'm ignoring a lot of context, but that's my prerogative. I'm allowed to do that. The shutdown forecast would never. How dare you? That's it. All I want to say is please don't join a conference, Army. Okay, so... Great Navy preview, first of all. Thank you. <clears throat> so, Alex, we got to break this division down. Um, can we sure. agree on Notre Dame yeah. first, Navy last? Do you have? Do you win the division by winning the most games? Listen, don't, listen, don't worry listen, about all listen, that. You just fucking don't, don't ask how. Just say who's going to win the division. Follow what's in your heart. Yeah, I would drop Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame seems like they'd like to finish fourth. Would seem fair for them. Fourth in this division? 
We're not, I thought we weren't going by winning percentage. No, no. No, we're but, going by team goodness, team quality. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's an advanced metric, okay? You'll, we'll figure it out later. Notre Dame's going to be the best team in this division, right? I mean, by conventional metrics, maybe. By any metrics. <laughs> <laughs> what type of space-age shit are you dropping uh, out where UCLA by, is better uh, than Notre Dame? Uh, not, okay. uh, not by... By so holiness, cool. which matters most, Alex. Unbelievable. Wow. You're, Again. you're out here obsessing, not- obsessing over S&P Plus when you should be obsessing over scriptures and prayers. Unbelievable. Pitt's pretty blessed. Uh, fine. Yeah, Pitt's pretty All right. Pitt's, can Pitt's we go? Can we go? There's the cathedral of learning. So I guess Pitt so number two. So is it Pitt or UNC second? Jesus. I feel like UNC probably has a, a robust uh, God. Sunday morning service. So you're put them- obsessed. No, you're obs- no you're- we're off that. We're on you're football a- quality you're obs- now. Your obsession with UNC is great. So are we talking Notre Dame, UNC, Pitt, Arizona, UCLA, Navy? Is that what we're saying? I, I think in terms of strictly if you want to go by wins and losses, which is a bit a bit normy, but yeah, that would seem right. No, not wins. Just, just, fo- just football, fo- football. Good. The metric is good at football. <laughs> All right, all, right. all right, yeah, I would go I would go Notre Dame, North Carolina, Arizona, UCLA, Navy. That's what I would do. Gross. <laughs> this is by the way, uh broke down all these divisions, all twelve of the divisions, uh ten of which you uh, eight of which you the listener don't even know about yet. According to last year's computer rankings in this division, you'll be shocked to learn was the worst by a good bit. <laughs> Notre Dame strength of schedule, once again, called into question. That's it. That's that's our that's our division. Okay. We'll see you in Charlotte or wherever we have our conference show. <laughs> in blue Murfreesboro. Blue we'll have it. We'll have it in Murfreesboro. Fine. Yes. Uh, basic blue time, Floyd. We're gonna go in opposite order of the rankings. So I'm gonna start with Memphis, who's at the bottom of our division, uh, despite the fact that they've gone to five straight bowl games. They've had five straight seasons with uh, at least eight wins. Last year, they only had three losses. Uh, three of their losses came by a field goal or less. Uh, and this season, they replace all three of their primary coordinators. Offensive coordinator, gone. Defensive coordinator, gone. Special teams coordinator, gone. But replacing that last one, we got Pete Lembo back in the building. Sex in clothes. Please Google him and search Pete Lembo right now. That former Maryland special teams coordinator. You called Memphis the special teams coach heavy petting. Um, coach Dry Hump. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's a sexual man. Um, Memphis, you were fun and good on offense last year, and defense was also a thing that you played. Uh, here's the only thing that really matters. You open the year against Old Miss. And I'm going to go ahead and need you to just beat Old Miss because while I don't actually think, and we'll get to this later, that early games are cause for reasonable panic and freak out, that's not how the world works. And I need you to start the year by beating Old Miss and fucking up their minds for the rest of the season, pretty much. Because then. We're going to have a good domino effect because if Ole Miss uh, fucks around and beats A&M, you know what the story then is? How the fuck we lose to Ole Miss? They lost to Memphis. This You are the catalyst by which much tumult and frustration can manifest. And man, if that ain't Memphis, I don't know what the hell is. That said, I think you will be interesting this year. 
Um, but you still play in a you still have a pretty decently tough schedule. You end the year at Houston, at USF, and with Cincinnati. Um, so, like, is there a possible world where we are talking about Memphis as the undefeated Group of Five team that we have to talk about in the playoff? Yes. Does it feel likely? No, I think this is probably more like a good bowl team, nine win, ten win, somewhere in that range possibility. Floyd, you got any Memphis feelings you want to throw in here? Nope. <laughs> okay. Memphis feeling. Uh, so now, Floyd, you're going to get the Memphis of uh, upstate New York. Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo. Buffalo is decent, it looks like. Uh, Buffalo's going to start the season with one of the like likely haste the team and then just get run over. So it has Robert Morris in week one and then goes to Penn State. And none of that's going to be good for anyone. Um, but yeah, I don't know much about the Buffalo football team. So we're just going to talk about Buffalo as a school for a minute. It is Pantone 2935, the longest Ding. Pantone I believe Thanks we have. You're welcome. I just want to make sure that we have Alex covered. Um, it also is apparently the flagship university of the state of New York. And when looking all of this up, it was in dispute at one point, it appears. And there are 16 Wikipedia citations. Uh, ranging from newspaper articles to college studies to things that use the word flagship and Buffalo nearby in sentences, <laughs> just to make sure that everyone was absolutely clear that Buffalo is the flagship university in the state of New York, which I think gives it a ton of sway. We can replace Rutgers with it if we need to. Um, additionally, the biggest thing they're known for and where they spend most of their fall activities outside of football is a mud volleyball game, the largest collegiate mud volleyball tournament in the world. And they spend most of the fall prepping a mud pit, clearing it of debris, including at times construction debris, and then playing mud volleyball in the middle of fall, a tournament that usually includes upwards of 190 teams, up two. So that is the Buffalo uh, outdoor activity. It's called Ooze Fest, by the way. What, what do you get if you win Ooze Fest? Uh, you get the pride of winning Ooze Fest, actually. It's sure. Just, it, <laughs> I do not know the pride of, or I do not know actually what you get for winning, but it does give out products, or it does give out prizes for best costumes. And it looks like the typical great college thing. Also, it, rec it recommends that you duct tape your shoes and clothes on because otherwise you end up naked in the mud pit. If you have, um, <clears throat> sorry, you said it's Ooze Fest? Ooze Fest. If you have Ooze Fest on your resume in any way, shape, or form, you are an organizer, you are a participant, whatever, please, mm. can you just let me know? Uh, just email us at shutdownfullcast uh, at Box Media. If you want, you can email us your resume. I just want to see, like, I just want to know that somebody out there is like, yep, I'm going to use Ooze Fest to get a job. What kind of profession would you use Oozfest for if you just had the word on there and didn't describe it? Professional wrestling. There you go. I was thinking like doctor could work. I think Oozfest is not what you want if you're a doctor is the problem. <laughs> Why? I think that's maybe, well, you know what? Sometimes that's a sign that the body is healing. So you just need to suck it up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we were talking about this in the office today. What is the most complicated surgery you would trust Dr. Oz to perform on you? What do you mean by trust? 
like you're in a situation where it's you and it's Dr. Oz and you're like you're in, you're in a stopped elevator and mm-hmm. simultaneously you need surgery for something. Maybe you are having your appendix just burst, um you have a gunshot wound, whatever it is. And Dr. Oz, he has tools there. He's not just freelancing this with like a ballpoint pen, but it's just him and he has to perform surgery on you. What is your limit for what you're going to let Dr. Oz do when he gets to cutting? So so is the alternative like, I'll just roll the dice and see how long it takes to get out of this yep, elevator? Yep. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with like hangnail because you just lose like a small appendage. Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. But that could go bad too, like infection. Right. So, right. yeah, I'll roll the dice too, Alex. I'm mulling. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Think, I think I'd let him do a small amputation. Wow. Like, How I think small? Of, like, like uh, a fingertip, a non-essential maybe like an, fingertip. Maybe like an earlobe, perhaps. <laughs> you know, you know, like how you gotta person? have. I mean, shit, I could do that. Okay, so you're saying you would trust Dr. Oz to run a Claire's. <laughs> not, sorry, not I run a Claire's, I think work him, in a Claire's. No cartilage, no cartilage, but I think I'd let him pierce my ear. So just the lobe? Absolutely, just the lobe. I mean, we're certainly, we're not getting any more, any more involved in that. Dr. Oz, if you're listening, Alex would like you to pierce his ears. Just just one, not both. If he messes up, you need, to, you need to keep one kind of clear just in case. Georgia just Southern. Dr. Phil shows up. So that's the Buffalo football team. George, Georgia Southern. Um, hey, I actually had no memory of this. Because anybody here, it just I want you all to guess. Kirshner, how many games did Georgia Southern win last year? Seven. Okay, that's your guess. Four. Jason, you know this already, Jason? Uh, it's round 10. Yeah, it's 10 on the dot. They went from 10 losses to 10 wins because they got back to running the option. Uh, that's part of it. They also, boy, did they do a good job of getting fat on bad teams. They beat basically two good teams all year, Arkansas State and Eastern Michigan in, I believe, the Camellia Bowl. Uh, there's good news if you are a Georgia Southern fan. You still have a bunch of bad teams on your schedule, like Maine and South Alabama and Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Yeah, Jason, I said it. Um, bad news. All of your good teams are on the road. You play LSU on the road. You play Minnesota. You play App State, Troy, and Arkansas State on the road. Um, I agree that it's good Georgia Southern is getting ba- has gotten back to its roots and embraced what makes them them. At the same time, this team I I don't think this team is going ten and three again. I think they'll make a bowl game. I think eight wins feels right, but. If you're asking me right now, would I still have them over over Memphis in this ranking? Probably not. I don't see that in this division. No. I mean, I am like legally obligated to remind you that this is the team that beat Florida in Gainesville. There we are. Weird. I, I was asking if you thought they could win their Power 5 game this year. Without, without, <laughs> without throwing a pass. And with 22 fewer scholarships. Boise State. Boise State. Boise State. The bluest team of all. <laughs> Boise State is the bluest team of all, and its Pantone is, Alex, make sure you write this down, 287, 287. 
Pantone. Um, thank you. Oh, wait, it. no, I'm sorry. That's the wrong Pantone. That's later. Uh, 286. Sorry. Ding. 286. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very lake-like. It makes sense. Boise State is probably our most capitalist uh, college. They immediately sold out to Taco Bell for their arena. And then Albertsons, the grocery store, owns a lot of the campus. Not owns, but paid for. Um, very nice people who fund a lot of Idaho. Boise State also is the most ruthless school in Idaho. They were added last, the third state college of Idaho, and then promptly grew an athletic department and killed the other two. Um, and Boise State is now the only thing left in Idaho. It allows them to be the consistently good Idaho team, and they'll probably just mess around and beat up on the Mountain West Conference once again. But uh, Boise State is, looking at my notes, yeah, that's Boise State, actually. It's uh, also the owner of the most ruthless rivalry that we've ever seen, which is Idaho-Boise State. In researching this, I found fights in uh, newspapers, in comment sections and in editorials and letters to the editor about Idaho and Boise State. That was where most of the research ended up. So that's what I have on them. They are definitely the bluest team. Their jerseys match their turf. And yeah, that's what I got for them. Um, here's the major limiting factor for Boise State. Again, mm -hmm. deep research here. Between the roster and the coaching staff, Boise has a Zach Z-A-C-H. Mm -hmm. A Zach Z-A-C, a Zach Z-A-K, but they don't have a Zach Z-A-C-K. Now, Zach is the most Idaho name. Everyone right. knows this and accepts it. And the fact that they only have three, but not the fourth and final permutation of Zach, is why this team will probably win its conference, probably finish with double-digit wins, but they're not going to crash the playoff or even be in the conversation for it because they didn't complete the Zach set. They, also have Zach they have an Ezekiel. Does that count? No. The no we're, looking, we're looking yeah. for a Zach's only. What if they had a Zach? Like a Zach Zach? If Do they have a Zach? <laughs> they don't. But I, I if, you can, if you can point me to a Zach, if, if you're going to call me out, show me the Zach or the Zach <laughs> or the Zook, but they don't have that. Zook was last with the Packers. <laughs> I think he's probably still in the AAF. Hello? Hey, guys, they brought the bill. Should I? I thought we did an incredible job last night. <laughs> holding, holding our opponents to zero points yet again. Hey, guys, they, they brought the receipt. Should I? Do you want me to pay it? Hey, what's going on? Uh, Boise State. Uh, I don't know. We'll come back to you. Maybe you're going to win this division uh, because... Wasn't Duke the name of the quarterback in 21 Jump Street, too? They, they kind of look like Boise State, their colors. Sorry, continue, continue. If you say so. Yeah, uh, right. Let's go to the other... Stone 287, Penn State. <laughs> We're going to talk about one thing with Penn State, one thing only, and it, it, it's former colors, which is much like Arizona. They wanted to be unique. So they started as black and dark pink, and it only lasted a few years. And the reason it only lasted a few years is because a man decided that he was going to buy all the jerseys and all the uniforms and all that. They picked black and pink, handed them out to the teams. And then after a couple games in the sun, the pink wore off and it was black and white. That was one reason. <laughs> so this dude basically bought all the uniforms like, yeah, we got the colors, handed them out, and they faded 
basically immediately. So it looked black and white. The second reason has to do with baseball and taunts. At the time, they had a uh, school chant that went something like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yay, black, pink, black, pink, something like that. It that seems, sucks. It, it's pretty bad. They were playing Dixon, uh, and there wasn't an athletic field yet. So they were playing Dixon on the front campus in front of everyone, showcasing the baseball team. Penn State sang its cheer about pink and black and all that, and the Dixon team chanted back, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yay, beeswax, beeswax, A, B, C. And Penn State got so mad. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Bat- it's over. Ba- battle rap used to be terrible. Got his ass. <laughs> and it was Blamed because him. of that that Penn State changed its colors to the colors they have today, blue and white. Fuck, man, you hear that beeswax? I think they got us with beeswax. We could have changed the whole program. Flip that shit. <laughs> My God. Sinister. Also, the guy that invented it all, he had bought all of these things for himself, the teams and all that, and then sold them to everyone. So everyone got their black and pink school colors and they all faded. But he got money at the end. Good. Beeswax was the first ever quintuple entendre. There's no coming back from that. They were so upset that they had to change the chant and said, not only will we change the chant, we got to change the colors too. We got to change everything that just happened. What the fuck happened? <laughs> because of essentially intramural baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't get anything about that story, but I like it. This is why this is why you shouldn't listen when anybody's like millennials today or snowflakes. Are you kidding me? They said beeswax ABC and Penn State changed their goddamn uniform colors. What the fuck just happened? The late 1880s. You see how wow. much shit Oregon puts up with? <laughs> Oregon's the toughest school in the country. Maybe that's why they're all constantly changing their uniforms though. Somebody can't call can't call us beeswax. <laughs> George is so scared of this shit. They don't even wear colors. They wear white at home. <laughs> Look it up. Jesus Christ. Um, Otherwise, in terms of actual football, Penn State is still a pretty, pretty good football team and should do pretty well this year. That was basically what preview was. They So they have to, they have to get a new quarterback. Yes. That's going to be fun. They're also doing this... Um, this unfortunate slide thing in Big Ten play specifically. So mm-hmm. the first couple of years of the James Franklin era there are, are very transitional. These are like seven win teams that, you know, have like losses to Northwestern and shit scattered around, whatever. 2016, they start to get it together. The only Big Ten loss they suffer that year is to Michigan. 2017, still looking pretty good. They lose to Ohio State and Michigan State. And then last year... They lose to Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So there is there there is a thing that is happening where even though they play a lot of these games close, definitely not the Michigan game last year. That was a bloodbath. Like there is they're not necessarily grabbing hold at a time when when you think about what the division has looked like in this time period, all three of those teams, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, have either been sliding or undergoing transition or under some degree of like inconsistency themselves and Penn State might have I'm not saying they did I'm saying they might have missed the window 
So mm-hmm. this will be yeah. the like like this I think is going to be the best test of is Penn State getting its shit together and actually ready to compete in this division or are they just somehow Michigan with a less interesting coach? I didn't even think that was possible with James Franklin, but that's sort of what they've become. I think oh. this might be their team this year. I think they're going to be really good. Although even though right. even even though their presumed starter transferred after spring practice to Mississippi well, State. The thing is, I think that if I haven't seen Sean Clifford, who's probably going to be their quarterback since he was a recruit, but I'm guessing that Stevens if he thought he were better and going to be Clifford probably would not have gone. Although, you know, maybe he just really wanted to go to Mississippi state. That's possible. Um, Lots of people do. <laughs> who, who doesn't, but I, they just have a lot of people on both sides of the ball. Like you look, I'm looking at their depth chart right now and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like good. Legitimately good. Um, especially on defense. Uh, like I think they probably have six or seven guys on defense who like, you could pretty easily see them being, like all Big Ten players, if their season went right, but yeah, and, and, yeah. and like, does Ohio State and Michigan have more? Ohio State definitely has more. Does Michigan have good players at this point? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, they don't have as many as Ohio State. No, so <laughs> <laughs> we're out of Ann Arbor now. We can say this. Like it is, it is a schedule that. If they if they want to, or if they if this is the year where they are taking a meaningful step forward, the schedule probably lines up with that. Like you still, you know, yes, you still have to beat the teams in your division. You have to go to Iowa. Um, you have, you know, non conference. You got that pit game we talked about. Um, you've got Buffalo. <clears> that's a about. conference game, Ryan. <laughs> Both Pitt and Buffalo conference games. It's tough Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, may- maybe, maybe. I just, I, I, I have my doubts and my questions about if this is like the year that proves the last, the the sort of slow, quiet decay of the last three was not the pattern. But I don't know. I'm the pessimist who says UNC isn't going to win seven games. So what do I know? I'm the asshole, and that's why we're going to talk about. That's why we're going to talk about Kentucky, coming off its first ten win season since 1977. Does anybody know how many games Kentucky won in 1978? Let me guess. Four. Four is correct. Four, six, and one. Granted, they they had just been put on. Uh, they were under the second year of major probation by the NCAA. Um. But, yeah, the idea that Kentucky can consistently maintain a level of high-quality success is not its not really a thing right now. But, you know, things change, and people, people sometimes change. Um, one thing that will not change, I think, for Kentucky this year, they are going to play slow as shit. Last year, 125th in uh, offensive plays per game, in part because they just didn't pass the ball at all. Uh, in passing attempts per game, under Mark Stoops, they have never been in the top 50, and the last three years they have not even been in the top 100. There are only three Power 5 teams last year who passed the ball less often per game than Kentucky. They are Pitt, Maryland, and Georgia Tech. 
Add to this that they have seven new starters on defense. The defense was fucking great last year. Um, and that they lose their main offensive weapon in Benny Snell. Um, and it's sort of like, okay, this will be a transition year. There is not all bad news. Um, your West opponents for Kentucky are Mississippi State and Arkansas. And you don't play anybody super terrifying in non-conference, assuming that you don't think, assuming that you're uh, not thinking that Louisville is coming roaring back right away. Uh, that said, I would not be super shocked if Toledo or Eastern Michigan, the two teams Kentucky plays at the start of the year, give. I, I if that feels like one of them is going to give them an early scare. One of mm-hmm. them is going to be the game yeah. where like, uh oh, it's the third quarter and Toledo's up by six. You should go watch this game, and then Kentucky wins the game by ten, and we all agree like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, but. I don't know. Eight wins feels right here. Ish. Yeah, I might go south of there because you lose Benny Snell, but not yeah. just that. It's like the quarterback, Terry Wilson. I, I, I think that he also was part of the reason they didn't throw very much. I don't right. know. <laughs> I don't know that he's very good at it. And I think he's still the quarterback. And I know that they lost at least one, like really, really bruising offensive lineman. I think it was one of their guards who had a good name and I don't remember him. Um, but they're, they're still going to run. They're still just going to run the ball. They're not going to turn around and say, now we're passing the game, passing the ball 35 times a game. They're just no, not going to do that. Of course not. But I just don't know who, I don't know much about their non Benny not running backs. That's fair. So the listed betting over under for Kentucky's win total this mm-hmm. year is six. Six. Okay. I'm seeing I'm seeing five and seven here. Wow. So so who do you think wins if these two teams play head to head, Kentucky and UNC? The most basketball football game possible. UNC. Wow. Wow. The disrespect. UNC's over under by the way is Four and a half. <laughs> Alex, what did you do? You could have gotten this at six. You can't, you can't Google podcast statements uh, at this point. Huh? So this is it's gonna be as if this never happened. Um so yeah. The, the I will I'm sure people will say, Oh, Ryan went to Florida. He's just hating on Kentucky because they broke the streak. Whatever. I'm I am like honestly, I, I don't wish that. I'm not glad Florida lost that game. I am glad that that streak came to an end because man. The the Florida streak over Kentucky was your extremely in poor health relative who you're just like, it would be better if. It would be better <laughs> if you slipped away in the night. It's not a kind thing to say, and you're supposed to love your relatives, but at some point, they're in such bad shape, and you're like, oh, he made it through the night thanks to the refs missing a delay of game call. Uh, yeah, I think it would yeah. be better if he just slipped away in the night. I mean, if you're like, great-grandpa lived three more years due to, like, bullshit escapes... <laughs> It's like, yeah, we've made our peace. Right. So, like, it's fine. He tried very hard to fumble himself to death, but failed. It's fine. And for the record, if Kentucky proves me wrong, and granted, nobody thought they were going to be a 10-win team last year, but if they prove me wrong, I will absolutely be rooting for them to win the division. I'm totally fine with that. Every year, I only really am going to root for two teams to win the East, Florida and Kentucky. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, I want to live in a world where that game decides the division. I never will, but that's not important. Floyd, it's now our job to decide who our division winner is going to be out of these six incredibly mixed teams. Um, let's who are you who's at the bottom of your list right now? 
I still think it's Buffalo, Georgia Southern, Memphis are down there. Okay. What about you? Um, I could make an argument for Memphis over Boise, maybe, but I actually might like Boise over Penn State. So mm-hmm. Memphis so- number two, it is. <laughs> this, is. This entire thing is just all the same. It's meh for us. The, yeah, I I feel. I kind of feel bad for whoever we pick at no one, because I will make this prediction. This is the only prediction I'm going to make on this episode. Whoever Floyd and I pick to be the top of this division is going to have a massively disappointing year. Let's put Boise State up there and see what happens. Oh man, I was going to go Penn State. We're, we're in, we're in, uh, but I wanted to do it for bad reasons because I'm broken. Um, but no, I'm fine with that. We'll say Boise State is winning this division this year. Penn State two. Penn State two. Kentucky three. Memphis, Georgia Southern, Buffalo. Yo. Uh, so that means we have Boise State against Notre Dame. Perfect. Oh, boy. The perfect football game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, what is the traveling trophy for Boise State, Notre Dame? Oh, this is the easiest one of all. The Irish, Idaho. That's a potato. <laughs> 